Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. February 24 of uh, this year, the Russians invaded Ukraine. We knew it was coming, even though uh, they had 100,000 troops massed on the Russia-Ukraine border, and Putin kept saying it's not going to happen, but the world knew it was, and the conventional wisdom appeared to be, from so many experts, that within a week, the Russians would overrun Ukraine and Kiev would be in their hands and maybe 72 hours. Well, here we are 10 months later, and none of that has happened. Well, they did, in fact, the Russians did take over some territory in Ukraine. However, their military has been absorbing loss after loss after loss on the ground. They're being pushed back and pushed further back because the Ukraine military, with the assistance of weaponry from the West, is absolutely formidably dealing with Putin's military. Now, there's talk that he may be throwing another 200,000 troops into some sort of offensive in, uh, in the new year. But based on what we've seen and what we know, they're probably going to run into the same situation that the uh, earlier Russian troops ran into as Western weaponry that gets to Ukraine is more sophisticated. Uh, Joe Biden talking about the uh, Patriot missile system, missile defense system for Ukraine. So uh, as the Ukrainian military is driving the Russians back on the ground, Putin and his generals are using, as you know, and as you've heard, missiles particularly, and drones to assault and attack the energy infrastructure that fuels civilian water, heat, light as winter arrives, which in and of itself should be, as experts have told us on this program, defined as a war crime. Well, let's talk about what's going on. I should mention this as well. Canada was under significant, and I think, I believe, absolutely appropriate um, criticism when earlier in the year, the Trudeau government revoked sanctions on uh, the North Stream, at least sanctions against Russia, and allowed Nord Stream turbines or turbines, to be, uh, to be sent from Montreal, from Siemens in Montreal, to Germany ostensibly, and then through the Germans to the Russians so that they could fix the Nord Stream pipeline. None of that happened, as you know. It was just a bogus situation that this country just fell for. So now the uh, federal government is revoking the sanctions exemption. How about that? We have spoken many times with uh, Ambassador Alexander Sherba and um, former Ukrainian ambassador to Austria, former Ukraine ambassador at large, was part of the diplomatic mission in the United States. He's the author of Ukraine versus Darkness, Undiplomatic Thoughts. And when Ambassador Sherba joins us on this program, it's very late at night for him. And he's done that for months on this program. Alexander, thank you so much for joining us. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you, Roy. Thank you for inviting me again. Yeah, I, I'm so glad that we can speak with you because what we're seeing happening in, in Ukraine now with the missile attacks on the infrastructure is absolutely outrageous. It, it, is, it is a war crime. Uh, as We've been told that on this program. So can you give us a sense of what is taking place? How is it affecting the men, the women, the children, particularly the women, the children? Most of your men are fighting against the Russians. How's it affecting your civilian population? 
So uh, I was listening to your weather forecast uh, in Canada. We have practically the same weather here. Uh, uh, so five, uh, six below zero, maybe uh, ten through the night. And uh, during this week, uh, many Ukrainian cities and towns, including mine, Kiev, were without heating, without electricity. Uh, without uh, any connection due to this latest barbaric uh, missile strike. Um, but uh, unfortunately, it uh, has become already a kind of routine. Uh, and fortunately, very fortunately, we have absolutely heroic uh, people in our energy sphere who within hours are capable to uh, restore uh, the electricity supply, first of all, uh, throughout the country, and uh, thank God, um, so the situation without heating, it was um, uh, for two or three days, so it was cold in the apartment, but not uh, uh, not devastatingly, devastating situation. So we, we are coping with this, and we're understanding that if Ukrainian soldiers are capable to fight the whole year without heating, without running water, without uh, electricity, then the least, the least that we as civilians uh, owe them is uh, to go through, through this winter without complaining and uh, doing our part. You really are amazing people, remarkable people, and you're teaching the rest of us what, um, what we all need to understand. Not only are your lights out and the, and the heating is off and it's cold and winter is coming, but you're doing it under incessant missile attack on your on on your cities and on your towns, and on Thursday, I believe, in one of these missile attacks, a toddler was was killed, murdered, um, by this by the by the Russians, and and that that is such an outrage. Does the world is the world doing enough? I know you're receiving weapon systems that you need, and you're receiving moral support, but is the world doing enough, Alexander? Well, I don't want to sound ungrateful. The world is doing a lot, and. Uh, I always say that uh, if uh, Putin is the new Hitler, then Ukraine is the new Poland that wasn't abandoned by the world. And partly because of that, we are capable of fighting back. But especially right now, it's very obvious that what we are lacking is more uh, air defense systems for civilians and uh, uh, offensive uh, weapons uh, for our army, uh, our uh, Commander-in-Chief General uh, Valery Zaluzhny gave uh, a very interesting interview this week, uh, highly, highly recommendable and very, very sobering. Uh, so he says that uh, Russians are getting ready for something big. Uh, he is uh, confident that they will try at least once again <clears throat> to conquer Kiev. Uh, but he is also very, very confident that uh, within the next uh, three, four months, uh, Ukraine can beat this enemy uh, as long as uh, a certain amount of uh, weapons is provided. And he is giving the numbers, and the numbers are not really, you know, skyrocketing. Yes, it would be the biggest army in Europe, but if the decent countries of the world uh, uh, each would provide uh, a couple of tanks, a couple of, uh, you know, armored vehicles, uh, howitzers, then it, it would be more than enough. Uh, and uh, that's what we need right now. Yeah, it's a fight for survival. 
That's what it is. And, and you know, if you look back, let's go back to February when, when the Russians first assaulted and invaded Ukraine. I can't imagine what the emotional response was. This is the immediate emotional response of the people must have been just, um, well, I, 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 I'm just guessing. So I don't want to do that. But if you look back 10 months and you look at the performance of your military, your Ukrainian military, which I, at the beginning was really just fighting with what you already had. You had a few things that were given to, given to you that were sent to you, but you really didn't have what you needed. And yet you stood up and you fought back and the world admired. We saw the video of Russian tanks being blown up by soldiers who had just become soldiers carrying a shoulder arm or shoulder, um, shoulder fired missile system. And uh, so 10 months later, did you expect, logically, did you expect the kind of success that the Ukraine military has experienced and continues to experience? Well, uh, I was more optimistic than most people um, because I knew that Ukraine had from 150 to 200,000 experienced uh, combat, uh, probed, com uh, combat-hardened uh, soldiers from uh, the last eight years since uh, the fighting in Donbass started. And then you, I, I had a conversation with a friend of mine who fought in, in, uh, 19, in uh, 2014-2015, and he was all, almost ecstatic about, you know, he was saying, let them come, we will show them. You won't believe we'll retake uh, Donbass and we'll retake Crimea. And I was, I was like, what are you saying? This is Russia. It's huge. It's normal. He says, um, the one in a war, the one country uh, that decides is ready, uh, wins that is ready to die. Yes. And we are ready to die because it's our country. What would uh, Russians be ready to die uh, for this occupation, for, you know, some ideas, uh, voices in Putin's head? Uh, it was about motivation, about, about spirit. So I was a little bit more optimistic than others after this particular conversation, quite frankly. But, of course, you know, uh, I didn't expect this emotional roller coaster. Russians are uh, within days... Uh, uh, within 20 kilometers from Kiev downtown, then um, this whole genocide starts uh, yeah. uh, in Kiev's vicinity, vicinity. Then uh, Russians uh, get uh, thrown back uh, to their territory. Then uh, Mariupol, oh God, this year was horrible on so many levels and in so many locations in Ukraine, but it was also a proud moment, and especially, and uh, first of all, uh, due to heroism of our army. You know, I've spoken to friends, and I've said to them, look out at your city. Look out wherever you are in this country now. I'll say this to everybody listening to this program. Look at your neighborhood. Look at your city. Look at your town. Look at your village. Wherever you are, look at the infrastructure, the stores, the buildings, just what you have that's around you every day and is there for you. Now, imagine 10 months of military assault on what you have. Imagine what your town would look like, your city would look like, under constant missile attack. That is what the people of Ukraine are living with, and that is why they're fighting, and they're fighting, and they're winning. You need battle tanks. The, the Germans have hundreds, maybe thousands. I don't know. I read 
all sorts of numbers. I'm not sure which one is correct, but they have these battle tanks that are just sitting. Nobody's doing anything with them. They're just they're not in use. There's no plans for them. They should just send them out to uh, to your military and let the uh, the Russians taste the uh, the barrel end of the thing. Well, quite frankly, it's a mysterious uh, situation uh, because uh, Germans are saying we are ready to send these tanks. Good. Uh, Do as it. long as uh, Americans are sending theirs. And quite, uh, it's, it's a double question for me, uh, quite frankly, why Germans are not really doing what has to be done and just looking at Americans. But also a question why other countries, Americans, or I don't know, or maybe Canada, maybe, if someone else, anyone, sends at least one, two, three modern tanks uh, to Ukraine, then Germans don't have this, you know, excuse of not sending uh, leopards uh, to uh, Ukraine. So it would be my uh, urgent call to all decent nations of the world, and Canada is definitely one of those, to maybe consider, you know, um, doing it together with Germans, just giving, giving this uh, thanks to Ukraine. Yeah, it's about survival, your survival. And your people, yes, absolutely. The people of Ukraine, tell us about um, about how your president Volodymyr Zelensky is viewed within Ukraine, Alexander. Well, I think uh, one of the mistakes uh, that Putin made uh, before attacking and when attacking Ukraine was underestimating uh, both Volodymyr Zelensky and the people of Ukraine. Uh, Putin knew very well, and he always exploited it for, I don't know, for, for, for as long as he was president. Uh, the, the passion uh, that Ukrainians have uh, towards uh, their politicians. And uh, unfortunately, we <clears throat> had a very, very painful polarization in the country uh, on the eve of the war. Uh, the uh, 2019 uh, on, on the eve of the active phase of the war, the war started in 2014, actually. Um, so the uh, presidential election 2019 was effectively never over uh, for many people. Many people got stuck in that election and didn't accept Zelensky as the president because they saw, saw him too soft on Russia. They couldn't deal with the fact that uh, an actor and not a politician became a president. So um, Putin was thinking that once, um, once, uh, how do you say it so diplomatically, something hits the fan, uh, Ukrainians will uh, start quarreling and uh, uh, everything will fall apart uh, because because these two groups were so you know polarized uh, within the population. And then we saw a president who was ready to make history. You know, and it's very. It's not only in his personality. Um, it's uh, uh, you know, in today's world, uh, government is just a um, service uh, to um, serve people, right? Uh, to 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 make sure that all services are running, that the heating is there, that the food is on the table, that. Uh, salaries coming, so on and so forth. The politicians get elected to do that and not to make history. And this guy was ready to do both uh, and to make history. It was what he's doing 
since February 24th, and most Ukrainians are extremely appreciative of that. And uh, the most uh, trusted um, uh, in Ukraine is Ukrainian army, of course. But on the second place is uh, Ukrainian president with 80 something percent. So Ukraine is it's uh, unbelievable. We, we have literally 10 seconds. Are you confident about 2023? I'm confident that we'll win. Uh, at what point? I don't know. I don't know. It's very, very difficult to predict. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.